word this morning. If you'll turn to the book of Revelation. Um, occasionally, I have a message prepared. I always prepare a message, but let me finish the sentence. But occasionally, even after preparing, studying, praying, laboring over, occasionally, God will shift gears on me a little bit. And let me just say something. If I throw one sermon out and just decide to do something different, that doesn't make it any more anointed than the one I prepared. I just want to be clear on that, okay? Everybody, oh, he's going to throw that out. Just throw your notes up in the air. And I've seen some dramatic moments like that, a little grandstand, throw my notes up, you know. But uh, nothing like that. But I will say this, that during prayer this morning, God began to whisper something different to me than the direction I had intended to go this morning. So I'm going to uh, just kind of pull out the big stick and swing for the fence on this. Amen. And uh, here's the thing about swinging for the fence. When you already know you've won the game, you can swing big. Amen. So we're just going to kind of go there. Someone say go there. All right. No, not there. Dare. Okay. Here we go. Revelation chapter two. Are you with me? All right, let's read together. It says this, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write. All right, we've got an important message coming to this angel or messenger or even pastor. And it says this, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And here's what he says to them. I know your works your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Those are some pretty good kudos right there. He's, he's patting them on the back saying, you're doing some good things. You're doing some things well. Now, in verse 4, he shifts gears. Someone say, but. We know what but means, right? Everything that went before but gets canceled out. So like, Pastor, I love you, but. Oh, I just love the worship, but. You know, I mean, so we know what but does. It cancels everything. Well, we have a nevertheless, which is a nice way of saying but, right? Everybody say but with me. But. All right. Here we go. Nevertheless, but I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else. Someone say or else. Sounds like a threat, doesn't it? Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. repent. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you for your word. Your words are life. Your words, Father, impact us. Your words are health to our flesh, life to our bones, Lord. We thank you that you are working among us. We honor your word today, and we hold it first place today. Father, we declare that your word is true, Lord, and that we will know the truth, and the truth will make us free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So, Father, we declare today freedom. We are free, Father. Lord, we're opening. I ask you by your spirit, Lord, to give us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of you, Lord, that you would enlighten, open our eyes, Father, illumine our eyes, that we may understand, that we may know the height, the depth. Father, we may know what it means, Father, to be disciples of Jesus this morning. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, be our teacher today, the spirit of truth who leads us and guides us into all truth. And so, Lord, we declare, Father, we posture ourselves as disciples, Father, before Jesus, not before man, not before a preacher, 
but before Jesus himself. Teach us, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. High five somebody as you're being seated. I don't know about you, this weekend has been stirring some stuff in me about remembering. And as I was thinking about it this morning, um, while we were in prayer, God just began to nudge me about this thing of remembering and the power of remembering, the power of remembering where you've come from. And I was thinking in these terms because getting to spend time with our dear friends, Brian and Robbie and the rest of the crew from Dallas, we, we spent a lot of time this weekend remembering. So we've been telling stories back and forth, getting to know each other and finding out about our backgrounds, finding out that, listen, everybody has a story. Amen? Sometimes we get impressions, we meet people, and we think, you know, wow, they must have been raised, you know, but everything's just all together, perfect and great. But let me say something. Everybody has a story. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a story. Now, everybody has a story, but everybody also has a story to tell. A story to tell. And when you are a follower of Jesus, a Christian, a Christ follower, you have a story that needs to be told. And what that story consists of is things that you remember. And as we were going down that road and beginning telling our stories and talking about, all it did was stir up in me this mentality and attitude of thanksgiving. As I told the stories of, of growing up in Lubbock and then later moving to Post and, and hearing the gospel along the way, I probably heard the gospel story four or five times before it clicked. But I remember, I remember. Now, the, the accusation that is carried here against this particular church body, this church family in Ephesus, is this. He says, you've done some things well. You've done some things right, and he gives them an, you know, he gives them an applause there. He, he says, look, I want to affirm this. You've done this well, but this is what I have against you. You have left your first love. And what he's saying basically is that you have forgotten what happened to you. Speaking of first love and what he's referring to here is that introduction to Jesus when you first made the connection in the revelation that Jesus is who he says he was, that is your first love. So what is your first love? It's the first love. It's that time when you connected with Jesus. So what I want to call you to do today is I want you to remember. This is a weekend about remembering. Tomorrow's a holiday about remembering. But I want you to remember the day you were born again. I want you to think back on that right now. I want you to think in terms of the events that led up to you becoming a Christ follower. Everybody here has a story. And it's interesting that as we tell stories, though there may be things that kind of are the same or some of the dynamics may play out the same way, understand that your story is unique to you. A lot of times we're afraid to tell people about Jesus because we don't have all the pieces of the witnessing puzzle together. We don't, we don't know, well, I don't know if I should tell you this first or maybe if I say the wrong thing or maybe I won't have an answer for somebody. Let me tell you somebody, something. All of us got here that are followers of Jesus because somebody took a chance, told their story, and for some reason it connected with us. Now here's the deal. Many of us probably rejected several stories along the way. I'll never forget being at Wagner Park in Lubbock, Texas, me and my little bicycle gang. Anybody ever have a bicycle gang? Man, I had my little Schwinn uh, Stingray. That was an awesome bike. I'd painted it, the whole thing flat black. I mean, everything. I wasted like six cans of paint on my bike. 
and it was flat black. I thought I was bad to the bone, and me and my little seventh grade friends were sitting at Wagner Park on our bikes like we were on motorcycles or something. Felt like we were on Harleys. And we're sitting there, and these girls walk up to us. They have Texas Tech T-shirts because I grew up in Lubbock. And we're sitting there at Wagner Park, and, and we're thinking, whoa, these are college girls. We're seventh grade boys. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, we're all sitting tall on our bikes, you know, like. And these girls walk up to us, and they start sharing the gospel with us right there at the park. They were so excited. They had so much enthusiasm, and they were pretty. Come on, somebody. Come on, help me out, boys. And they were pretty, so we were listening and for a minute. And then, and then when we realized, oh, this is like church stuff. Then we started, we started being mean. We started rejecting. We said, oh, ugh. Then we got cocky. Then we got really just brash and arrogant and rude. And they left defeated and dejected. You know, sometimes when you're lost, you think the only way you can be somebody is to destroy somebody else. The only way you can validate your existence is to, to invalidate somebody else's. And I remember them walking off, and I remember having this twinge of guilt on the inside of me going, I cannot believe I just did that. That was horrible. I know better than that. But, yeah, I was with my friends, and we were trying to be cool. And I remember story after story of people, account after account, moment after moment, of people coming to me through the years and sharing their story with me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got a story to tell. So I want you this morning to remember your story. And know that somebody else's story intersected and involved themselves in your story. And it, became, it came together so that God could use it as a way to get you to Jesus. It might have been a tragedy. It might have been a calamity that opened your eyes. It might not have been. For me, it wasn't a tragedy, although there were several along the way. I'll never forget a guy uh, on a motorcycle. He'd just gotten a little Yamaha uh, Virago motorcycle, and this was back around 1979, and, and, and this guy was kind of known to be a partier. I remember thinking, man, he's dangerous in a car. I can't imagine him on a motorcycle. And not a few weeks later, we heard the story that when he didn't show up on Monday morning for school, he had run that motorcycle under a parked semi-trailer, and it killed him instantly, and he was gone. Had another friend that was just walking across a rodeo arena during a roping. Remember, I was in West Texas, and uh, he was just walking across the rodeo arena, 20 years old, and dropped dead of a heart attack. Turned out he had a genetic defect in his heart that I didn't know about. And so I had stories like that along the way that caught my attention and made me go, wow, maybe I need to think about this. Maybe there's something more to life than just living and dying. And I'm going to never forget a band director who took time out during a football game to pull me out into a yellow dog school bus and share the gospel with me. Mr. Stringer, Jimmy Stringer. He's now a pastor up in Juneau, Alaska. And I remember him sitting there and sharing the gospel with me and me looking at him going, this isn't making sense. I mean, he was trying his hardest, and I was trying to listen, and he was telling me his story. And I listened to his story, and I didn't make a decision for Christ that day. But let me say something. His story impacted me. So what I'm doing right now is I'm remembering stories that had a part of building my story. So I want you to think. Everybody close your eyes just for a minute. And I want you to think back on your story right now, right where you are. Just think back. Think back on people whose story impacted your life. Did you have a praying granny? 
Do you have a praying mama? Your story. Did you have a Sunday school teacher who took an interest in you and shared the gospel and it made sense? Many stories coming together to make one big story, one grand story, yours. Now, I want you to think back on the day that you said, yes, I believe this is true. Yes, I'll appropriate what Jesus did for me on the cross. Yes, this blood was for me. And I want you to think back on that day. Not everybody can remember the day. Most people can, but not everybody does. I remember the day. It was in May of 1980. Leaning over the hood of a pickup. And an eager youth minister taking a chance and sharing his story with me. And I remember that night. It was a May night. It wasn't quite as hot as last night, but it was pretty warm. And I remember leaning over the hood of that truck, and it made sense. And even as I remember it, it does something on the inside of me. It stirs faith. It reminds me that there is a first love that I do not want to forget. There is a first love that I never want to think that I'm too mature to be giddy about Jesus. Why do I worship the way I do? Why do I dance? Why do I rock? Why do I, why do I love to play music? Why do I just hang it out there? It's because I'm still excited and the first love has never left me. Now, I want you to look at the scripture that we were looking at just a minute ago. Same passage, Revelation chapter 2. Now, he says this in verse 4, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, look what he says. He gives us a hint on what we should do. And this is what we're doing today. This is what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to remember. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. There's number one. We've got to remember, and I'm calling you to do that today. Remember the day you got born again. Remember the day that you got baptized. Remember the day you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Remember the day that you received your gifts. Remember the day when God touched your life. Remember the day that you shared the gospel with somebody else, and they got born again. I don't know about you, but that's an exciting day. Remember The day you stepped into a church and it seemed like a foreign world and then yet God's love came around you. Remember the day, Pastor Rich, when a man hugged your neck and you're like, oh my gosh, a man's hugging me. But it captured your heart. Remember that. and Let that warm you up. Let that do something on the inside of you. Remember the day. I'll never forget when my brother got hit by a car. It nearly killed him. He was seven years old. We were in Lubbock, Texas, going to Santa Ana on bikes, and he got a, a college student in a, in a 1969 Cougar. I remember everything about it. Struck him from behind. He was riding down the curb, and she was doing about 50 miles an hour down Avenue uh, Q there in Lubbock and hit him. And he went up on the hood and impacted the windshield. When she slammed on the brakes, it threw him into the street. And He broke his femur. He had a concussion. He peeled the skin off the side of his face. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible, tragic situation. But I'll never forget, this is a part of my story, I'll never forget a young couple who I do not know to this day who they were 
pulling me aside, when they figured out I was the brother that was freaking out, they pulled me aside and they took me into Orlando's, which is a restaurant there right on Avenue Q, about 23rd and Q in Lubbock. We sat down in that booth and they asked me, they said, are you a Christian? And I said, no. I mean, I, I wasn't being mean. I just, no, I don't go to church. And they said, can we pray with you? I said, sure. And I'll never forget the love I felt when they bowed their heads in that restaurant with ambulance driving up, fire trucks, police, cars everywhere. My brother's laying in the street. We don't know if he's going to live or die. And I'll never forget that moment that the Holy Spirit came to this lost kid, this lost kid that didn't know him. I didn't know him, but he knew me. I didn't know him, but he knew what I needed in that moment. And in that moment, he sent two people to sit down with me and put their arms around me and pray for me. I'll never forget it. It's a part of my story. And even as I remember, it makes sense to me that God began at an early age dealing with me, drawing me, touching me, reaching out to me throughout my journey. It's a part of my story, and I remember it. And when I remember it, I say, oh, God, you love me so much. You'd come to this broken, lost kid in a moment of tragedy and wrap your arms around me and love me. You know what that does for me? It makes me just want to worship him more. It makes me want to just say thanks. Can we have our worship team come on, make your way back up? Here's the second thing it tells us to do. It says to remember, but then look what it says after that. It says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, repent. The word repent simply means to turn. It means to change the way you think, the way you're going. It's, it's, like, um, it's like Romans 12, too. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, changing the way you think. That's what repentance is. It's literally you see one thing one way, and then you turn and you see it from another way. You change. And let me tell you something. When I begin to remember from where I have fallen, because that's what he's challenging them to, you've forgotten your first love. Some of you today have forgotten your first love. I'm not beating you up on that. I'm just saying you have, but you've got something to do. Let's remember and then let's repent. And repentant doesn't have to be on this altar in tears. You don't have to come up here and cry a puddle of tears to repent. It's changing your direction. You're going this way. I'm not thinking about it. My life's too busy. I've got too much going on. My bills are too high. I've got too much going on to think about it. And you literally turn and go, wait a minute. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to repent. So you turn and go, wait a minute, Lord, I've left you out of everything. I'm sorry, God. But repentance is more than just saying I'm sorry. It's actually turning and going the other direction. Go, okay, I haven't been seeking you, but I'm going to seek you. Let me tell you, some of us are so ashamed in our sin and so ashamed in our brokenness, we won't even turn and seek him for fear that he may not take us back. Let me tell you something. Not only will he take you back, he never left you. He never moved so let me tell you a part of your story that you may not know until this moment. God never left you. He never forsaked you. He has never abandoned you. And then there's a third thing that we're supposed to do. It says this, remember, repent, and then look at this, and do the first works. What are the first works? I just say redo because I'm a preacher and I've got to have three R's. Remember, repent, and redo. What are the first works? It's the things you did at the first. That's deep, isn't it? What did you do when you first got saved? Let me tell you what I did. I got hungry for the Word of God. 
I mean, I had an appetite for this thing. What did I get hungry for? When I, the first works for me is I went to church. Listen, it was such a foreign world for me at 19 years of age that when I stepped in with my Journey t-shirt, come on somebody, and my long curly hair, and I had a stack of guitars and stuff out of my car, and I walk in, I got a Journey t-shirt, says FMX on the back, which is a classic rock station in Lubbock, 94.1 FMX. And I, I, had, I walked in there, I was like, wow, I'm in church. And they looked at me like I was like an alien or something. And I just was like, where's the front row? I didn't know you weren't supposed to sit on the front row unless you were like on staff or something. Or buddies with the staff. I, mean, I didn't know. I just, I went to the front row. I was like, man, I want to get up close because I want to hear this man, what he's got to say. I didn't realize all the college and you sat in the back. I didn't care. So I went back and did, what are the first works? What, what happened to you when you got saved? Did you pray a little bit more than you do now? Were you a little more excited about this thing? Were you hungry? Did you believe God could heal and now that you're mature in the faith, you don't believe that anymore? Because you've been disappointed a few times? So you know what you need to do? You need to remember. You need to repent and you need to go back and redo. Because some of us need to be reintroduced to that childlike faith. I don't have anything against education and seminary. I are educated and I do have a degree. I are a graduate. <laughs> Let me say something. When my Bible became another book in my backpack, I knew something was wrong. And it took me some time to recover after going to seminary to go, I've got to get back to a simple childlike faith. What did I need to do? I needed to remember. I needed to repent. And I needed to redo. I needed to go back. Some of you today, right here and now, you know what you need to do this summer? You need to remember. You need to repent. And you need to redo. You should jot this down. Remember, repent, and redo. You need to go back and do the first works. Remember when you used to have a quiet time? Remember when you used to have, you used to actually read the Bible every day a little bit? Remember, I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I had this Bible, and uh, I used to keep it in the pickup, in the truck that I worked in, because I, I didn't go to college right away, and I worked with an electrical crew, and we, we were just all over the place traveling, always three, four guys in the cab of a pickup going to the job. And I always had my Bible with me. And I got a 15-minute break, a 30-minute lunch, and a 15-minute break in the afternoon. You know what I did during my break time? I ran out to the truck, grabbed my Bible, and I read the Word because I was so hungry for it. First works. First works. You know, it's funny now. We got the Bible in so many formats. I've got an iPad, an iMac. A MacBook and an iPhone. I am a geek. And I've got the Bible in every format you can imagine. But do you think I read it any more than I used to? I would like to think so. But maybe I need to remember. Maybe I need to repent. And maybe I need to go back and do the first works. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, stir up.